thoughts, ideas, people, caravan maintenance, trundle beds. What's that plastic thing doing down there? Shut up, Renee. Quiche. Niche. Niche's quiche. Simmons. Thank you for listening to Anisha's Quiche. Um, I was a, I was a little choir boy. I was a qu untouched. I feel so untouched when I sang the high notes and all the other boys used to get a finger up the asshole to give them a... Anyway, good lord, what the hell am I... Hey, welcome to Niche. Niche's quiche. I, I should have a better jingle. I will write a jingle at some point. Maybe with Adam Moses from Rumble Studios who made that terrific bloody song for the Silly Billy Walk. Hey, speaking of Silly Billy Walk, does anybody know how to write grant applications or grant applications? It's a real process. And I know I can probably hire people to do it, but I don't got no real money. Um, but I did use, because um, Patreon, you're being really nice on Patreon. And I bought, I made a purchase. I bought a D-popper. Um, off the Patreon cash, which is only a bit. It's only a little. It's a little. It's a little trickle that comes in, but it's really helping, helping out with making the podcast good and filming stuff. Um, I bought a D popper, which is like you know a twenty six dollar purchase, but I bought a D popper, which just means that when I say p words, pa 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 pa, pa it shouldn't peak, um, so the podcast will sound better. Anyway, um, what was I talking about? Oh, that's right. Choir boys. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Hey, how are you? I'm feeling pretty good. Yes. Uh, my coccyx is still fucked up. I've really got, still got a sore coccyx. Um, mainly because now the, your coccyx is your... Uh, oh, what's it called? A deciduous tailbone? No. Residual? It's a residual tailbone. No, there's a really good word for it. Um, anyway, so it's basically where we used to have it. Okay, I, and if you're religious, don't listen to this bit. But when we used to be ape-like, we, we kind of did have a tail. We came from having a tail, and now we um, don't have a tail. So we got this little tiny stump at the bottom that goes... It's kind of crawling in. Um, but anyway, I went on a children's, uh, a children's water slide, which I was not allowed to go down as an adult, and I bruised my coccyx. But I do think I might have actually fractured it. So I've looked it up. And there's nothing you can do for a fractured coccyx anyway, because it's not like you could put your anus in a, in a cast. Um, so I just have to deal with it. But I sat on a seatbelt wrong yesterday, and it really, god damn it, it still hurts so much. Um, it aches to poo. Anyway, so yeah, I've still got a damaged coccyx, which is, um, which is fun. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna quickly. Hang. I'm just gonna go on. The, I need to go on the World Wide Web and find out what the the tailbone is. Hang on. Oh my goodness, I know there'd be some of you screaming vestigial um, into your ear pods right now and at the radio or the speaker because it's vestigial. So the coccyx, um, it's a, vestigial structures are the things that are left behind that are still there but are kind of useless. So useless things that are within the body of our animals and humans that we do not need anymore. So this is fascinating. So this could be the deep dive uh, topic. Anyway, I'm not going to yeah, I am going to go into it because that's fascinating. I only just... I'm reading this, uh, I'm learning this as I'm speaking to you. So it's fascinating. Fascinating. So here we go. So vestigial uh, structures include the appendix. I did know about that. So that was when we used to break down more toxins than we, because of koalas as well. Like koalas have a really big appendix because they break down all the toxins in eucalyptus. Good Lord, this is turning, this is, 
not funny, is it? Um, the wisdom tooth. The, why is it the wisdom tooth? What wisdom comes from that tooth? It's a painful thing to go through. Uh, the external ear. I don't even... Tonsils? Oh, that makes sense. Get your tonsils ripped out. Oh, this is fascinating. Sinuses. Human cheekbones hold the maxillary sinuses. What? Anyway, I might look at this stuff for later on. Um, so apparently, and in animals, vestigial uh, structures include the pelvic bone of a snake. Because they used to have bloody legs. They've got a little pelvis. And uh, the wings of flightless bird. Well, well, that makes complete sense. The wings of flightless birds, that makes complete sense. Um, anyway, that's fascinating. So our little tiny tailbone. Anyway, mine's bruised. It really hurts. Just my, my little anus. Oh. E ah, Anyway, um, that would, God, it sounded Mexican for a minute, didn't it? That's racist. Have you heard that new Nietzsche's Quiche podcast where the guy does really racist Mexican accents? No way, frijole. Um, I used to love, um, God, remember how exotic, I, I'm showing my age here, but kids, if there's kids listening, not kids, kids, but like teens that are listening, there was once a time when there was no CCs. So when I'm saying CCs, I mean the corn chips, the corn chip snack CCs. Um, I'm sure they might've been around in the seventies, but I remember in the eighties, it was a big thing. Like CCs came out and everyone's like, oh, I'm getting a packet of CCs. And my sister who, um, God, my sister was funny. She's a bit of a bogan. Uh, real Perth bogan back in the day. Like I grew up until I was 10 years old in Perth and then I did my teen years in Adelaide. That's why I say I'm from Adelaide because I think where you sprout your pubes, that's where you really grow up um, or grew up. So anyway, my sister was like a real Perth bogan and she once made it onto um, the equivalent of Today Tonight. Um, the cha- or no, it was a Channel 7 News and she was smoking a cigarette and they were talking about teen, um, teen smoking and we saw it on the television that night and my mother cracked her across the back of the head. Anyway, I remember her coming home with a packet of CCs and sour cream. So a packet of like Buller or Farmers Union sour cream. And I just thought that was the most decadent ethnic treat. Like that was, that was the, I mean, apart from lemon chicken and sweet and sour pork from your local Chinese, that was the peak of culinary um, uh, cuisine from overseas. Like international culinary flavours was a CC dipped in sour cream. And then, and then bloody, I remember when the, the bloody, the, the wedge came in, potato wedges with sour cream and sweet chilli. That, and that's something to return to as well. It's like, it's something we look at now and we laugh at like focaccia and go, oh, I remember focaccia. But if you have a real focaccia from Italy, it's bloody amazing. Um, and the same thing has to be said if you're at the pub and you see the you see the the wedge. Never buy a plate of wedges with sour cream and sweet chili, but you know someone will be around who's got sour cream and sweet uh, sweet chili. Sit down, have a chat to them, liven up their day, then nick one. Get yourself a, a, a wedge, a potato wedge, with uh, sweet chili and sour cream. It's it's an underrated flavour. I remember I was so into CCs. I, I used to like um, I'd shake the packet into my face. Um, and I remember a little bit of corn. The American listeners of this podcast would just be like, "What the fuck are you talking about? How, what do you mean?" Australia was a backward pl- was a backwards land. People. Um, I remember volivants was still a really big cuisine in the early eighties. I remember my mother had a um, uh, it was the Lady Diana Princess Charles marriage, which was a huge event in Australia as well. And I remember the volov- the salmon volivants that came out. Oh, classy stuff. Anyway, I was just happy with a packet of CCs when I was a kid, and I'd really get into it, and I'd shake all the remnants. You know when you get the, the last bits in the packet, um, and you shake the remnants into your face and try to get it all in? I remember a little bit, bit of corn chip dust got into my eye, and it was very, very painful. 
Um, I, I was fascinated by Mexican stuff. I loved. I did go to Mexico eventually um, in my thirties, but um, I was f- absolutely. I used to like dress up in Mexican stuff when I was a kid. You know that like um, the you know the sombreros you'd wear to the cricket. I, I pestered my mother for one of those, and I, I really wanted the piñata before piñatas were cool. And um, I even made myself a homemade poncho, which was quite a simple thing to do. You just get a an old old piece of rug or carpet. I used an old bit of carpet out of the garage. Um, you know, remember back in the day, you'd put a bit of carpet under the car to soak up the oil spills, an old rotten bit of carpet. I grabbed that bit out of the garage and I cut a, you just cut a hole in a poncho. All you do is cut, you, uh, to make a poncho, you just cut a hole, a circular hole in the middle of a rug and then you just pop, pop your head through it and that's a poncho. Um, and I remember like I'd, uh, I'd often be nude as a young boy scooting around, pretending I was a Mexican man. And it was, I mean, it was cultural appropriation before it was not cool. So I'd be walking around going, hey, no, no, uh, saying things like no way free hole, which I don't know really what it means. And, um, anyway, so like I'd, um, I'd be wearing the poncho and I remember it was hot in the middle of summer and it was a really dense carpet. It was like a Berber. So like a double twist knit, uh, wool like uh, Berber, rich, like really, and itchy because the underside of the uh, of the carpet um, had the hessian and it was very hot because the rubber was then under that, which uh, which then you know, gave me my traditional Mexican name and I, I named myself Underlay Underlay, as in carpet underlay, um, which is a very good joke. And I'm sorry I just put you through that just to get to that very, very poor punchline, but it's a joke I've, uh, I've, always, I've always enjoyed and it just was, a, I, it was evoked it was evoked within my memory from um, from a CC. What? Why was I talking about CCs? Oh, hang on a minute. My daughter's walked in. Oh, you look amazing. You look amazing. Come, come over here. Say hello. Do you want to say hello to people? Yeah. Say hello. Hello. Um, and what are you dressed as? I'm dressed as Ariel. Oh, you look beautiful. I like the sparkly crown. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, do you want to go have fun? We made it together. Oh, that's nice. Well, do you want to go hang out with uh, Berta? Yeah. All right, you're off you go, because Daddy's working. Okay. All right, sweetie, I love you. I love you too. Oh. All right, shut the door behind you, though. No, no, you have to shut it. Watch your fingers. Okay. All right. Um, so she's hanging out with the babysitter today, and she still doesn't realise that it's a, that's a paid friendship. It's her best friend. She, she refers to her as her best friend. Um, her name's Berta. And she's not. Like, Berta's, you know, probably 46 and has real friends in her life, but Luna is convinced that this 46-year-old woman is her best friend. Um, and the day, it's got, I mean, I mentioned on the podcast before, it's going to break her heart when she finds out this was just paid and she's just faking. Anyway, um, she's out of earshot, by the way. She didn't hear any of that stuff. Now, I don't, I'm not too sure what I'm going to deep dive this week. I've got two ideas. I had pigeons and I had pigeon facts uh, that were true and untrue. Um, but then I was like, jeans. I love, I love the thought of denim. So I've kind of, I've got both ready to go, and we'll just see which way it bloody, it bloody pans out. In the meantime, here we go. Korean boy. Korean boy. Korean boy. Um, I bring this up because I, I discovered during the week there's a there's a man. I hope he wants to be identified as a man. Um, he was male, but he was transitioning. He was the first, like, not real, but the first racial transition. So he's transitioning into a Korean boy. And that's a, this is a real thing he's doing. You can look it up. Um, just put in racial transition Korean man London, and you'll find this whack job. Transitioning race. What the fuck is going... I mean, I understand, like... I mean, I guess you can. I mean, if you're trapped in the wrong body... 
Like I understand the whole female brain, male brain, and what's in between. Like when it's it's kind of like being on the spectrum of uh, or autistic, um, where you're, just like, you're not one or the other. It's everything in the middle. It's like it's not like a line where one, at one end you're autistic and the other end you're normal. It's like a circle that joins up like a snake eating itself, and we're somewhere in there. And sexuality is that as well. But is that am I really behind the times if I? I mean, if I was to identify as a Japanese schoolgirl, is that okay for me? I'm at this, I mean, I'm not trying to do vitriolic hate speech here, but I think this bloke's taking it too far by, by transitioning into a Korean boy. But maybe I'm way behind on this. And in the future, you will be able to choose what you want to do. There was also a woman in Germany. Um, oh, this is something I remember from ages ago, who was transitioning black. Um, anyway, like, and she... Which is kind of like the ultimate blackface and really, but because she wanted to live her life like that, I guess that's not racist because she loves that culture. And it was, it was pretty offensive as well because she was all like, you know, I love Creole food and all this type of stuff and I, um, I identify as a black woman and I mean, blacks are bridged too far anyway. I've never seen a black, I've seen a brown person, I've never seen a black person. Anyway, look, I don't know whether I'm digging myself a hole here. But um, I find it really, really fascinating. It's just, look, the whole myriad, the whole spectrum of everything and the way people are confused and angry and language and uh, everything is, uh, it, it's, it's come to such a head that, I mean, I understand why the left is hated at the moment because there are so many rules and how dare you say the wrong thing and not know. Like, I mean, like old people are going to be racist. They can't help it. They don't know. They don't mean to be. But, you know, I've got people in my life you know, older people who are relatives, I'm not going to say who they are. And I've heard awful things come out of their mouths, but they don't mean it. They don't know. They don't realise that if you're an, uh, a person of Asian origin in this country, you've had a rougher childhood. No matter what, you've had a rougher childhood. You've had a difficult time because there have been fuckheaded Australians who have been racist toward you. And they can't understand that because they think, oh, no, hasn't that changed now? It's moved. Anyway, look, you know, this is probably stuff that I wasn't meant to talk about in this podcast, but I am... Why am I... Oh, that's right, Korean boy. <laughs> Korean boy. Oh, that's sorry. That really make that makes me laugh. Um, oh, what was I going to tell you? Oh, that's right. I mean, I came out of the closet as straight. So here's a. This is a fun fact for you. I I left home at at 14 years old. First of all, and I moved in with my half brother in Melbourne. So I moved from Adelaide originally, and then moved in with my half brother in Melbourne, who just happens to be a gay man. And uh, so I'm, I went from watching, I went from watching, this is true, this is a true anecdote here. I went from watching a country practice with mum on a Tuesday night in Adelaide to then being on a Greyhound bus. And then by Friday night, I was sitting in my brother's lounge room and I kid you not, watching a, watching a drag queen named Tony 2000 smoking a bong. Or with, that's a cultural, that's a culture shock. So I remember, because I was there for, I was only there for about six months, and then I went back home to mum, to mother dear. And I, uh, but in that time, my God, the things I learned, learnt? I've always been confused with that. The things I learned, the things I learnt. Jeez, I don't know what's wrong with my brain today. I'm really vague. I've got to say, I feel vague today, and that's, that's all right. Some days you're on, some days you're not. As long as you're funny, I'll fucking take your money. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so I, I, I love this world. Like, when I, um, when I fell into the, the, the big gay world of the 90s in Melbourne, it was the most amazing place full of all these fun people. And I, you know, for a while there, I was like, definitely, I'm going to be gay. This is great. I, I love this world. It's going to be fantastic. And then it was like, you know, it, it was... 
it was hard because I had to then kind of like experiment and, and sort my way out and realize, oh no, I'm straight. And it was a disappointment to me. I was like, oh no, I like girls. And I actually had to sit down with my brother at one point and because he sat down and told me the story and it's like, you know, you know, Sam, I want to, you know, you know, I like boys. I'm like, yeah, and duh, um, like I couldn't tell. Um, and I had to sit him down and like, you know. Sorry, Chris, I've got to tell you that, um, yeah, look, I like girls. And he cracked it. He's like, oh, my God, I always knew this would happen. Get out of my house. And he, like, smashed a mug. No, that didn't happen. Um, that's funny, though, isn't it? Like, reverse, a reverse coming out story and really, up, like, upsetting your, your gay parents. Anyway, maybe that does happen. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, and it was, it was a real shock. But I remember going back to Brighton High School in Adelaide and I was fully into gay rights, which was not a cool thing to be into in Adelaide. Um, during the 90s, like it was still like, you know, and still to this day, I mean, God, let's go to Syria or Qatar or whatever. Qatar! Oh my God, I love, I secret, I'm a secret World Cup fan, by the way, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm not really a sports nut, but there's something about the Olympics and the World Cup that I adore. But anyway, um, so I went back to Adelaide and I remember um, there was a fashion parade um, at Brighton High School because they were celebrating the merging of Brighton High and Mawson High or Mawson Secondary. And they made a new, a uh, new school uniform, and I was, you know, I was, you know, the entertainer guy, and I got to host the school assembly as the person to introduce the new, the new fashion parade, and I put on a really flam, I put on a scarf, and a really flamboyant voice and hosted it, which is, you know, you'd look at it now and you go, oh, that's a bit cringy, and I'd probably get cancelled for it now, playing a really effeminate gay character launching the fashion parade, which is, back in the day, that was that was edgy stuff back in the early 90s. And I remember one line, there was a girl, Amy Sherlaw? Amy, anyway, Amy, oh, anyway, there was an Amy girl, um, and I was like, Amy, well, please welcome to the stage, Amy, Amy, you don't have to pay me. And she came, anyway, um, and I remember the queer, the gay teacher at school, Mr. Kong, loved it, and he gave me a cheeky wink. Like, he winked at me like, oh, you're one of us, and I was like, I was disappointed to... Um, I've disappointed him because I'm not one of you. I'm not in your gang. But that's the thing about the the, the queer community and the gay community. I realised when I came back from Melbourne, it was just because I did eventually move back to Melbourne again, and I was fully immersed in the gay community. And it's a bit, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing world because it's very accepting, and it's also there's a community that's already set up. And I found it really hard to be thrust back out again into the big straight world because you know, apart from joining the footy club back in the '90s or certain other things or getting into punk. Um, or being a goth, you're not really part of a, a subculture or a group. So, I mean, there's a lot to be said for that community and having strength. But, I mean, you guys have, I'm going to say, yeah, I think you guys have got it easier. It's nicer. It's more accepting. Anyway, come at me. Come at me, guys. And these are things at the Institute. A precise history of themes with Sam Simmons. The history of songs that didn't get made very good. One. Yeah. Uh-huh. I spy with my little eyes something beginning with I. Is it your eye? Yes. It starts with eight. I know it does. Two. I remember when I left the heater on in the lounge room all night. Three. Put another dollar in the swear jar. You can... I woke up with sore nipples, so we went out for some apples. Apples, nipples. Nipples, apples, apples. Five. Menopause. Menopause. 
older ladies, older ladies, and some men, and some men. Seven. She was a virgin, 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 virgin. I am a Sandals and socks. 90-12. Come on, girls. I'm coming. Do you believe in shakes? Sure do. We should all wear some sensible tops. 18, 18, 18. I accidentally swallowed 50 cents again. Again? And then I pooed a little tiny parachute man. Your d- 209. Speaking of uh, obsession when I was younger, like CCs, I remember I used to be, like, I think one of my first sexual awakenings was, were Dutch milkmaids. Do you know what I'm, like, you know, remember the Dutch milkmaids? They'd be, like, kind of a voluptuous, cream-churning um, woman wearing, like, a little triangle white hat that would carry milk um, in a yoke. So they'd carry two buckets of milk. <laughs> if, you'd, if you don't know what I'm talking about here, just look up uh, Dutch milkmaid and you'll know what I mean. It's a thing. It's kind of like, a, in a little way, it's like the Bornhofen women. Um, you remember that bread advert with the Bornhofen lady and she had like, you know, heavy cleavage and uh, the man was making bread uh, or eating bread and the Bornhofen woman came in and we we're like, oh, um, kind of like the Stein, like the lager ladies, the ladies in Germany, the beer garden ladies. It's, I mean, it's massively misogynistic, but yeah, mine was, I mean, I think mine was a little bit, shall I say, niche. My fascination with the Dutch milkmaid was uh, more so. I mean, the Dutch, the, and I've always, I've always been fascinated with Dutch culture and, you know, like dykes and the little boy that put his finger in one and then the um, marijuana and the, bloody, the the red light district of Amsterdam and all that, which is pretty disgusting. When I've been there and I've seen it. It's pretty yuck. It's kind of like, but I guess it's freeing in a way that your sexuality... Anyway, this is a, turning into an interesting episode. I don't know why I'm going down this road. Uh, and those tiny little pancakes, what are they, perfetti cheese or whatever they are? You know, apparently the Dutch have over uh, 100 different words for pancake. <laughs> uh, this is a bloody, this is a rough episode, guys. But it's a bloody, it's, look, it's, yo, it's straight from the top of my dome as I rock, 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 rock the microphone. Hey, by the way, I think that band's Dutch. I'll put an edit in there. Hang on, I'm going to stop it and find out. I think... Bomb Funk MC's freestylers are Dutch. And if that's my brain synapse is doing that, then I am on. Hey, I'm just gonna check it here, hang on. Are Bomb Funk MC's, oh, sorry, where, hang on, I'll just ask. Where are Bomb Funk MC's from? Here we go. Finland? Finland? Are they from Finland? Oh, well that's basically um, the Netherlands, isn't it? Why is it the Netherlands? Anyway, do they call themselves Holland anymore? No. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, this is not about them. Uh, it's about us, guys. It's bloody about us. <sighs> I'm doing jeans. I'm doing jeans. Okay, jeans it is. Here we go. In the mid-90s, I went through a very dark time. Back then, everything seemed black to me. The day, the nights in particular were very dark, like the stars weren't working. There was this one day when I was working in the garden digging a really big hole. You know how sometimes it's just nice to dig a really big hole? I was just wearing jeans at the time with a bare chest. I loved my jeans. They gave me, I don't know, a sense of confidence. Kind of like Botox for the soul. My girlfriend at the time was an Italian migrant. Her name was Brunetta. And on that morning in particular, she was busy in the kitchen making pancakes. I'm making a pancakes, she used to say. I'm making a pancakes a good. 
She was the most beautiful pancake maker I'd ever seen. Her hands glided around the batter like a horny panther moving through the jungle. She held the spoon like it was an extension of her own limb, like a spoon arm. We'd been seeing each other for over 10 Italian months, which is like four human years. Her pancakes were like a baby's foot, soft and pink like a baby's foot. I was running from the backyard into the kitchen because I really needed a pancake fast. Mid-pancake frenzy, I wasn't paying attention, and the little belt loop on the side of my jeans got caught on a jagged nail on the back door. Brunetta saw this. Oh no, you're ruining your jeans, ah? Huh? She said, stifling a cruel, horny Italian laughter. She'd never liked me wearing jeans in the first place, and now those jeans were ruined forever. Jeans. That's, uh, that's as much as... I mean, I could go into the, the story of Levi Strauss, but I don't want to. Right way, wrong way. Right way, right way. Right way, right way. Help me, Samsonans. Help me, Samsonans. How do I use an ironing board? How do I use an ironing board? I want to make a really good toasted sandwich. I want to make a really good toasted sandwich. Right way, right way. That's not how you make a really good toasted sandwich. Sam Simmons. Help me, Sam Simmons. I pushed down my coffee plunger this morning and the coffee shop across the road blew up. I like cappuccinos. Sam Simmons. Celebrity whisper. Celebrity whisper. This is the whisper on the street. So I got to work with Adam Lior. Um, the, I think he won MasterChef. I didn't ask him, but lovely bloody guy. We worked together on a pitch for Channel 9 called Lunch Sluts. Um, now, lunch, the, the concept for Lunch Sluts was, uh, well, it was off from the beginning. Um, it was basically me, where Adam and I would travel to a, uh, a natural disaster affected zone. So, so flood, um, bushfire. And we go out there and we talk about food with them. And it was a sad story. It was a sob story. And people love watching a sob story because, oh, this is sad to watch. And then we have a meal and break bread and stuff like that. So uh, it kind of went like this. So he'd go out to say someone who's lost their property to a bushfire and go, oh, how you going? And the guy, the, the farmer who was in the pilot, he was like, oh, not very good. Um, you know, I've lost my property. Uh, all our livestock have gone. Um, the photo albums have been uh, burnt to a crisp. Uh, my wife has left me and I'm sleeping in a tent. And then Adam would be like, well, do you want an omelette? Um, like, that'll fix it. It didn't really, it, yeah, it, it, lunch sucks obviously wasn't commissioned fully, but we did get to make the pilot. And I was hesitant at first to work with Adam because I, I thought he might be like uh, all the other chefs, like, you know, really arrogant and full of ego and yelling all the time. Um, but he's not, he's a lovely, sweet fella. Um, I've worked with him subsequently uh, on, um, uh, was it Celebrity Mastermind? And anyway, he's a bloody, he's a sweetie, real sweetie. Um, and a down-to-earth fellow. We, we met in an international food court for our first meeting. And I remember this clearly because he ordered uh, nachos, a nacho plate from Guzman Gomez, like a normal person. I was like, he's got no bloody tickets on himself. He's a normal guy. Um, but he, when he got the nachos, which is served on a cardboard plate, he then got a plastic knife and fork and started eating his nachos with a knife and fork like a sociopath. I mean, that was red flag number one. I was like, what's going on with this guy? Have you ever seen a man, like, try to eat a plate of nachos with a plastic knife and fork? 
um, and, and the knife's all bending because he's trying to push it into the the, the plate to get the ch the cheese scarex and trying to stab a corn chip and following it around the plate like there's something wrong. I mean, it's a tactile food as a nacho. It's hand to mouth. Anyway, it was awful to watch, and he could tell I was looking at him. He was looking at me, and then he just stared me straight in the eye, and he's just gone, "It's not soup, is it?" And I was like, "No, it's not soup." But his eyes were questioning for more. They were yearning for me to ask another one. I was like, why do you like soup, Adam Lior? And he goes, I love soup. In fact, it turns out he's obsessed with uh, national identity and soup and wanted to create an Australian national soup, which we don't have. Like most countries, like Russia has a borscht, which is an awful pink creation made of beetroot and sour cream. But then you've got better soups, um, uh, not including the uh, French onion soup, awful soup. Um, uh, what, you've got a Malagatorni from India, which is basically a culturally inappropriate soup because it was, uh, I think it was developed by British India. Um, so the Brits made it and then they were like, oh, it's definitely India, like Vindaloo, which is not a real Indian curry. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. You've got pho from, uh, my favourite soup of all the soups, the pho from Vietnam, and you've got laksa, which is, wow, laksa's good on a bloody, uh, on a hot day with a hangover. Anyway, he wanted to create an Australian national soup because the closest we've got is a Campbell's cream of tomato, which is a foul concoction. Um, but he wanted to ca uh, encapsulate the Australian identity within a soup. And I was like, that's a really, really great goal. Anyway, fast forward, uh, we were making the pilot. We were staying in a, um, in a I remember it was a flag in Moto Ho Motel Hotel in um, Tamworth. And um, it was three o'clock in the morning and Adam knocked on my door. And he's like, hey man, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I was sleeping. He goes, do you want to come over to my apartment and we'll play Human Lamingtons? And I was like, oh. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he's a master chef. Uh, why not? I mean, this this could be fun. He's like, all right, well, you know, come in, get get yourself ready, pop on in. We'll uh, play a game of um, human lamingtons. And I was like, all right. So I walked in there, and he pushed the there was a room unlike not unlike this, and he pushed the bed up against the wall and laid a tarpaulin down on the floor, and uh, and then he filled up the the, the bathtub with um, lamington chocolate, which is a really interesting um, chocolate because the viscosity of the chocolate uh, sauce is really it's not quite thick, it's not quite thin, so it's not as thick. It's not viscous like honey, um, but it's not like wet like water or thin like water. It was somewhere in between. And he's gone, all right, in you, Pop. And I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And he's like, uh, just uh, jump in the, uh, the the lamington chocolate. And I was like, really? Should I take my pajamas off? He's like, yeah, God, are you a weirdo? I'm like, no. So I got nude and I jumped in the bathtub full of lamington chocolate sauce and uh, marinated myself for a good 25 minutes. And he's gone, all right, how are you feeling? I'm like, pretty good. And he goes, all right, well, get down out here. We'll play human lamingtons. And I went out there, and he, what he'd done, he'd scattered desiccated coconut all over the tarpaulin. There was desiccated coconut everywhere. He was sprinkling it like a maestro, like a culinary maestro. You know, the guy that does the salt? Anyway, um, so he's spreading it um, rather flamboyantly all over the tarpaulin. He goes, go for a roll. And I'm like, really? Just by myself? And he goes, yeah, yeah, you can only be one human lamington at a time. And I was like, all right. So I got down and I started rolling in the desiccated coconut or desecrated coconut. Um, I can't remember. The next bit's a bit fuzzy, because I don't know what was going on with the desecrated coconut, but I do remember a little bit of, uh, of the coconut. I blinked it into my eye by accident, it rolled to the back of my eye, and I started hallucinating. Um, almost like it was a fermented coconut, there was like some type of uh, psychedelic thing going on within the coconut. And I passed out, and I had a dream about being uh, someone on a Pacific, somewhere in the Pacific Islands. I think I was a Fijian, or a Tongan, or a Samoan, I can't really remember. It was very vague and very, very racist. And uh, anyway, then I, uh, I, I woke up to Adam screaming, I've done it! I've done it! I'm like, what have you done, Adam? And he goes, I've created it. I've made Australia soup. I'm like, oh my God, I got really excited. I got up and I was still all slippery from the chocolate sauce from the Lamington and covered in desecrated coconut. I'm um, kind of like a tarred and feathered bird. 
And um, anyway, he goes, do you want to taste it? And I'm like, yeah, what, what is it? And he goes, oh, okay, well, it's uh, deep fried calamari. And I was like, and I said, okay, yeah, why? And he said, well, you know, Southeast Asian nations have the salt and pepper calamari and uh, Southern Europeans, there's uh, fruto misto, which is like, you know, crumb seafood and um, fish and chips with, you know, battered seafood. So I thought I'd do, um, yeah, I'd do deep fried um, calamari. And I was like, okay, that's a great representation of Australia. Um, the indigenous, which is like basically the uh, the seafood, so from from our shores, and I was like, this is this is going somewhere great. This is you're telling a story with this soup, like a master chef. And I said, what else is in it? He goes, tomato sauce. I was like, oh, is that it? Just deep fried calamari and tomato sauce. He goes, yeah, but hang on a minute, I, I've I've blended it into a velouté. And I was like, oh, like a master chef. And he goes, hey, give it a taste. And I was hesitant. And I did have, I, I, I did have a taste, and it was fucking awful. It was absolutely fucking putrid. And then he goes, finish the bowl, and I, I don't want to. And he goes, get in there and finish it. And he got me in a headlock, and he was trying to force my face into the bowl to finish the soup because I was being polite and said it was nice, but it wasn't nice, and I didn't want to eat any more. And he was pushing my head into the bowl, and he goes, just kiss it, kiss the soup, kiss the skin of the soup, because we were wrestling for so long, a skin had developed on the top of the. Uh, of the tomato sauce and uh, deep fried calamari soup, the Australia soup, and I kissed the, uh, um, yeah, I kissed the skin of the soup, and I'm not, I'm not proud. Anyway, Adam Lee, a lovely guy, and um, once again, this, uh, this story is entirely untrue. Merry Christmas. This is Jorge. Jorge likes dancing. Hey, I like to dance. Jorge likes long walks on the beach. Look. A seashell, seashell, she said. Jorge likes puppets. I like the way they move their arms. All floppy, floppy. He likes keeping fit and exercising. Mm. But most of all, Jorge likes solving problems. In the bottom. What would Jorge do? Dear Jorge, Martin Blanket Child keeps annoying me at work. Love Phil from Sale. Dear Phil, I know what you mean. I had something similar happen to me. I was visiting my friend Dash. Are you wearing a turtleneck jumper? Yes, I am, Jorge. Well, you shouldn't. And why shouldn't I? Because no one rocks a turtleneck like Ricardo. Wow, Ricardo! Ricardo! Hey, I'm Ricardo, and no one rocks a turtleneck like me. Would you like to be in my circle? Sorry? Uh, my friendship circle. We can be circle friends. Yeah! yeah! Yes! And so we all became best friends. <laughs> and this one time, I accidentally dropped a cup, and then I caught it with my foot. Yes, you are. And that's why my circle friends are so important. Good luck, Phil. Love, Jorge. Hey. Thanks, Jorge. Hey. Alrighty guys, I've got some mail here. Dear Sam, me and my wife are opening a charcoal chicken shop and I was wondering if you could help us out with a name. It seems all our favourite ones have been taken, like the Chicken Wizard, Chicken Express, Rooster Bang, the Chicken Champion, Rooster Maniacs, uh, Chicken Companion, Chooksalan, Bird Tantrum, Urban Chicken, Funky Chook. There's nothing worse than funky in a name. Funky Chook, The Chicken Castle, Chicken Millionaires Anonymous, The Golden Chicken, Chicken Fun Sticks, Charcoal Chooken, Chicken Chops Roy, Ritz Chickens, Chook Aroma, Ye Olde Chook Shop, Chicken Wish, 
cockadoodle food, chook finger, chicken skanks, skank fusion, Martin Blanket Child's bedroom emporium, door handles and more, the fucking cheesecake shop, the socket factory, the old sex hole, and chicken times. Anyway, I'd really appreciate it if you'd help us out. Love Damien and Amity from One Turner. Dear Damien and Amity, how about chicken flaps? It's a great name for a bloody chicken chain. Come on down at Chicken Flaps before it flies away. Chicken Flaps. Um, all right, here's another letter here. Uh, Dear Sam, you think you're pretty good, but you're not. From Keith in Dapdo. And then I wrote back, Dear Keith, as if, from Sam. And then he wrote back again. He goes, Dear Sam, good one, from Keith. And I wrote back, Dear Keith, come off it, from Sam. What? Anyway, that was the letters. There are letters in there. Um, I, haven't, I just haven't gone into them. I haven't gone into me letters this week. And I'm running late putting out the potty. Uh, so I didn't do it. Anyway, we're going to do a... Oh, this is what I wanted to do. I'm so excited about this. Gonna fl- I'm going to read this article. This is a real article um, from 2009. It was in... I think it was in the Daily Telegraph. But I've got the, I've got the printout. Well, different... Uh, not actually Daily Telegraph print. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Here we go. It seemed too real. Uh, what, and what, what I want you to do, by the way, is just guess... You just have to guess. I've changed the names of what the people in it because I don't want to offend anyone if they, they're still alive. Um, but I want you to guess what, the, na- the, what the, the heading or the title of this article was. So when it was in the paper, when it was printed, what it said to entice you to read the article. Here we go. So you can guess at the end. Here we go. It seemed too real to be mere coincidence and brought joy to John Smith's family. John's parents, Frank and Karen, spent two years finding Stuart Peaver, whose life was saved when he received their son's heart after he died in a car crash. But in an exchange of emails, they learned that Mr. Peavor amazingly had developed a taste for burger rings, which was John's favourite snack treat. Okay, so just getting, getting ahead around this. There's been a heart transplant. Someone's received the heart, okay? And the guy who got the heart suddenly likes burger rings. Anyway, two years and countless internet searches later, Mrs. Smith tracked down Mr. Peavor, the recipient of John's heart. The 24-year-old from Adelaide suffered uh, a stiffening of the heart ventricles and had months to live. Uh, When they began email contact, Mr. Peavor asked, Did John like burger rings? That's all I seemed to want after I ate, uh, after my surgery. It's all I wanted to eat after my surgery. Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Delaney responded, I've been informed by a reliable source at Neil, John's brother, that John loved burger rings. Mr. Peeble replied, I certainly think I've got some traits from him. Burger rings right at the top. I've never used to eat them at all before. The theory of the brain is not only that the organ stores memories or personality traits and memory as a process can form in other parts of the body, such as the heart, has been coined as cellular memory. That's amazing. I do know about muscular memory and, and bone memory. Um, anyway, so the most famous reported case was an American Claire, named Claire Sylvia, a heart-lung transplant recipient who documented her sudden craving for beer, chicken nuggets and green peppers in a best-selling memoir after discovering her donor was an 18-year-old male who died in a motorcycle accident. Sorry, this is not funny. Westfield Millennium um, Institute professor and president of the International Transplantation Society, Jeremy Chapman, said the phenomenon had not been proven. Oh, there you go. And, and it ends on, there is no scientific basis for such a claim, he said. There's so much fiction around transplants. That's the end of the article. Now, I want you to guess the caption for that article. Okay, you've got three seconds. One, two, three. Okay, that article was captioned in the paper. This is what got my attention to it. Burger ring heart. 
Uh, I don't know if anybody's laughing out there. It's weird doing a podcast by yourself, but that is fucking funny. Sorry. Very, very, very funny. Burger... I mean, I know someone died, but Burgering Heart. Every time I get crazy, Burgering Heart. Anyway, um, love it. Shitty trivia. Shitty trivia. It's not even very good. Shitty trivia. You can't even win anything. I uh, haven't done trivia for a few weeks, so suck shit. Here we go. Uh, okay. Question number one. By the way, if these are offensive, it's because they were written a long time ago. That's the disclaimer. So let's go here. Question number one. Which African country is also a popular name for bogans? Which African country is also a popular name for bogans? That's right, it's Chad. That's just a straightforward joke. All right. In Puerto Rico, children leave grass under their bed for which Christmas animal? What? It's Frank the Magical Christmas Prawn. What is going on with that one? In 2003, the film Lost in Translation took place in which city? The 2003 film Lost in Translation took place in which city? No, it was Ikea. Because <laughs> you know how Ikea's big? Anyway, that was obviously the thrust of that joke. Uh, what religious philosophy was founded by L. Ron Hubbard in 1954? What religious philosophy was founded in 1954 by L. Ron Hubbard? Uh, it was Space Maniacs. <laughs> no, it's Scientology. But Space Maniacs has uh, a certain ring to it. Sp That's right. I used to have a joke about space arguments. About no in space, no one can hear you argue. Space argument. Anyway. Uh, okay, question number 16. Which sport causes 18,000 facial injuries per year? Which sport causes 18,000 facial injuries per year? And fractures. Facial fractures and injuries per year. It's faceball. <laughs> it's actually baseball. Isn't that interesting? Apparently that, um, the ball, yeah, causes a lot of pain. Faceball. Uh, what day of the week did the Romans call Sunday? No, it was Monday. What is that? Is that even a joke? Oh, all right. Which lawn sport popularity, what? Which lawn sport popularity eclipsed the croquet craze of the late 1820s? Which lawn sport popularity eclipsed the croquet craze of the, eight, uh, the late 1820s? It was lawn bogging. I don't even know whether this is anything that I'm doing right now. Okay, it's time for a quick fire last round. Australia was discovered by... No, it was looking. The longest river in the world is... Really long. The longest highway... The longest highway in the world is... Route 66. The youngest president in the world was how old? No, it was seven. Who invented electricity? No, it was Jesus. Who invented the washing machine? No, it was Jesus. Who invented the safety pin? No, it was Safety Jones. How many legs does a butterfly have? Jason Bateman. What? Star Wars or Game of Thrones? Star Wars or Game of Thrones? No, it really doesn't matter because you're all going to die alone, nerd. This is ridiculous. What a ridiculous episode this is. I think it's because I've, I've not really socialised this week. and got, I've not really gone out and about. I've just been hanging out with my partner. My partner, my partner, we share everything except the finances. <sighs> Taxman's coming to get me, by the way. Oh, shit. Hey, by the way, speaking of money, Mike Cannon-Brooks, are you out there? Mike Cannon-Brooks, can you hear me? Mike Cannon-Brooks, I need your help, yeah. Mike Cannon-Brooks. Uh, silly Billy Walkman, look it up. 
sillybillywalk.org. Sillybillywalk.org. That's silly Billy with an IE. So silly as in silly, Billy as in Billy Irish, walk.org. Look it up, Mike Cannon Brooks. Mike Cannon Brooks. I need your help to spread some love. That's the last time I listened to a biscuit. Well, that's the podcast for this week, baby. I hope you loved it. I hope it cheered you up. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for going on Patreon. If you can, if you can spare a coffee a month um, to help out a brother, help out a faded star, um, help a falling star, um, then uh, please get onto Patreon and look for Sam Simmons or Nisha's Quiche. Uh, if you want to find the link, because some people just can't find the link, which I don't understand. But if you go to my Facebook or my Instagram, you'll find it in a link tree or right at the top of my Facebook, you'll find a link to, to Patreon. Oh, also I'm on sale. I'm, I'm, I'm on sale with tickets. I'm, I'm bloody everywhere at the moment. So I'm going to Wyong in January, Melbourne and Adelaide next year. So get involved because this show is going to be outright. It's called Content and I swear to you, it's going to be it's going to be magic. It's going to, I think, my best live show. So I'm really, really excited about that. So go get your tickies for Christmas if you want to. Um, what else are we going to tell you? Um... There was something else I was going to let you know. Something nice. No, it's a brain fart. I have no idea. Um, But hey, do get in contact with me. Uh, Send me an email and I'll get back to you. That's samnichesquiche at gmail.com. Samnichesquiche at gmail.com. And uh, I hope you have a beautiful week. Here's a lovely final thought for you to, to make you think about doing nice things with your life. And I'll chuck a little bit of classical music on the end of this. I don't know what it is this week, but it'll be something nice and soothing. All right. Speak to you next week. Bye. Why not wear a baseball cap backwards and ask to be referred to as Gregory Anus Face for a full 15 minutes?